Broadcasting live from the Raiders practice facility at the Intermountain Healthcare Performance Center. This is the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. Damon over there throwing me curveballs, man. Jeez. Thought I lost you over there for a second. Uh, you're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Uh, big day for the Raiders. Big last five days or so uh, for the Raiders. Uh, maybe the cherry on top uh, was signing Casey Hayward, the veteran cornerback um, who fills one or two needs or holes. Um, either he's the outside cornerback um, and moves Damon Arnett inside or – Casey Hayward goes back to the slot where he started his career and played really well uh, with the Green Bay Packers. In any case, uh, the Raiders came to terms with uh, the veteran cornerback that all of Raider Nation was anxiously awaiting them uh, signing. It was going to be it was going to be somebody, and it was going to be after the draft once all the dust dust settled uh, and everyone can get a better idea of where they were roster wise. And some of these players uh, like Casey uh, could get a chance to take a look at what was going on out there. Where's the best opportunity? Where do I, where can I go uh, to have the best chance uh, to get on the field as quickly as possible or, or uh, you know, really legit fight for a starting job? And that's obviously going to happen here uh, with the Raiders. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line to welcome in our good friend, uh, Q Myers. You could follow him at your boy Q254. He is the host of Unnecessary Roughness, 3 to 6 p.m. on Fox Sports Channel, Texas AM. 1330, 93.9 FM. Uh, Q, have you had a chance to uh, to regroup and uh, kind, of, kind of rest a little bit and, 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 and take a deep breath after everything that's going on? Or are you, like everybody else, just kind of still champing at the bit, um, trying to get this all figured out? I think I'm still going about 100 miles an hour. <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's been a fun Busy week, weekend, you know, leading up to uh, the draft and obviously, uh, you know, the, the time after the draft and uh, obviously the news that rolled out today. I mean, it, it's been fun just kind of seeing how the Raiders are going to try to plan on putting this roster together and the players that are in place, you know, the guys that could potentially be on that 53-man roster when the season rolls around, the guys that are there. You, you kind of get an idea of what idea they're going for. Now these guys are having the opportunity to go out there and earn their jobs in training camp, and I think there's going to be a lot of competition, which I think is the most important thing possible. All right, so very quickly, um, let's let's talk about the most recent transaction, and that was the signing of Casey Hayward uh, today, the veteran quarterback who's played at a very high level throughout his career. Kind of took a little bit of a dip last year, not quite sure what yeah. that was all about, but if you look back every year up until last year, this dude's been doing it at a pretty high level. Uh, your initial thoughts on the Raiders bringing in Casey Hayward, a uh, veteran and somebody that is ha- very intimate with um, Gus Bradley's defense and, and Ron Miles and what they're expecting him to do back there. Well, that's the most important thing right there. He's very familiar with Gus Bradley, Ron Miles. He knows what they want him to do. He's a veteran. I know a lot of Raider Nation wanted Richard Sherman because of the name Richard Sherman, but he's a little bit older, a little bit more injury prone. I think that Casey Hayward has an opportunity to go in there and not only just kind of be a veteran leader, but uh, almost be, you know, a, a, a guy, I hate to say mentor, because I don't think any player really wants to be a mentor, but he can almost help get ease these guys into Gus Bradley's system where it's not 100% a, a need where you just go put a young dude out 
for the island who may not be ready. You know what I mean? Casey Hayward could say, no worries, I got this. Or, like you mentioned at the top, if the young guys do have the outside held down, maybe he can slide into the slot because that's a position that the Raiders have been trying to figure out who's going to you know, man that position. LaMarcus Joyner wasn't able to do it. Amik Robertson, he got a, a couple shots at it last season, didn't really shake out. Of course, they uh, you know, grabbed the young man, uh, uh, Hobbs, that could possibly do that. But Casey Hayward is a guy who is a veteran who has done that. So worst come to worst, push comes to shove, he could always slide inside as well. All right, Coach Q Myers, Gus Bradley, where are you starting him next year? Um, I think that most likely I would probably start him on the outside. I think that there should be a real good, healthy competition out in, uh, in training camp between him and Damon Arnett. And, uh, you know, for that matter, Trayvon Mullen as well. I think Trayvon Mullen has a big year or needs a big year because it's his third year going into a, the third of a four-year contract. So I think that he probably could start outside and, uh, you know, opposite of Trayvon Mullen, who I believe is going to come in with guns blazing uh, and be ready to go for this season. And uh, I think I'd feel really comfortable with that and, and allow Damon Arnett to kind of uh, slide into that, that Gus Bradley defense, get comfortable with that cover three zone. He's more of a man guy and, and not be forced to just put him out there immediately. This is where not having OTAs just drives me up a wall. Um, yeah. Because yep. a lot of those answers can be – solidified or a lot of those questions can be solidified in OTAs. And I say that because of this. I would – okay, if you, if, if you open it up to competition in training yeah. camp as opposed to kind of getting a better feel for things in OTAs, if you go to training camp with Arnett and Casey Hayward in a fight for um, the outside cornerback spot, and let's say Casey Hayward wins that, all right, does – Damon Arnett lose ground because he's not able to get over to the inside during that competition. Don't you think you would rather have a better idea so that if, if Damon Arnett, if you feel like Damon Arnett's going to scoot inside, move him inside from the get-go to try to get him as many reps there as possible yeah. in training camp? Yeah, no, that's a great point. You know, and I really hadn't thought about it like that, but that's an awesome point because Again, you do want him to have as many reps and be as familiar and be ready to go. So it's not like he's learning a position on the fly. And I know he's had, uh, you know, he's had opportunities to play that slot position. He did that at, at Ohio State uh, a little bit. And, uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a great point. And the more reps that they get together, the more reps that they get in a competition-type setting, the better. You know, I mean, that's just going to allow these guys to get comfortable with the coaches. It allows them to get comfortable with the other players and be able to understand. How many times, Vinny, did you look back and you see uh, players or a busted coverage in 2020 and the players looking around at each other because they didn't know what one guy was doing. The left hand didn't know what the right hand's doing. That's what you need those extra reps for. So, yeah, OTAs would be great. All the minicamp uh, reps would be great. Unfortunately, it's just not going to happen. Yeah, and I just wonder if maybe they'll pre-decide that a little bit um, just to kind of, for, for that very purpose. You don't yeah. want to you don't want to overwhelm Damon Arnett. It's a big year for him. You need him to perform, and maybe you just decide going in, look, you're going to be the slot cornerback, and that's how we're going to roll, and that's or vice versa. Uh, this way, it doesn't you know, o- like I said, overwhelm or, or confuse, or you have a setback because guys aren't now now you know closer to the season. One of those guys has to move inside. So uh, anyway, that's just my two thoughts on that situation. Uh, but let's back it up a couple of days uh, to the draft. And uh, Q, I'm just going to say this. I don't care what Daniel Jeremiah has to say or, or, or Mel Kuyper or any of the draft experts. I'm not demeaning anything that, you know, their assessment, their evaluation, whatever they had to say during, during draft night. 
and I'm telling this more to Raider Nation. Who cares? Who cares what they have to say? Worry about your team. Understand where your roster is, what your needs are, and, and, and assess it from that perspective rather than worry about what somebody in some studio is, is, is saying. And I say that to, to, to reel us back to Thursday night, Alex Leatherwood, yeah. Um, yeah. the tackle from Alabama. The Raiders obviously felt he was the best tackle left on the board at 17. And there were other options there. It's not like they uh, reached out of desperation. They had an assessment to make, one that they've made in the months leading up to that pick on Thursday night. They went with Alex Leatherwood. Um, I mean, it's not like they drafted a punter. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in the first round, they obviously right. drafted their major need uh, at right tackle. Uh, are you? Am, am I right to say who cares whether he was on Daniel Jeremiah's if he was the forty fourth player? You know, ranked by Daniel Jeremiah or Mel Kiper? Are we reading way too much into that? I mean, I, I get why everyone you know kind of flipped out over the situation. I'm, and I'll be real with you, Vinny. You know, seeing him at seventeen, I like Alabama players. I watch a lot of Alabama. I love watching how they play. I just feel like they're already pros. Uh, I know who Alex Leatherwood is. I know what he brings to the table. And when I saw him go at seventeen, I thought that was high. You know, I thought that mm-hmm. was a little rich for Alex Leatherwood. And and I let it be known on, on, on the podcast. And a lot of fans were angry at me and still <laughs> coming after me for it. But. I, I felt they had an opportunity to trade back and maybe get an extra pick, and I know Mike Mayock mentioned that. But ultimately, I mean, I think all that kind of went away in the wash, and this is kind of what I've been trying to tell everyone. That kind of went away in the wash when they were able to get Trayvon Merrick, who most people thought was a first-round pick. They got him in the second round. So they got their top two guys. Who cares what order they got him in? They got him, and ultimately they're there to compete. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'll push back a little bit on the, on the, on the trade thing. It's it's you know from from our perspective it's it's presumptuous for any of us to think that there really was a deal like I I, I refuse to believe that the Raiders said oh that's a great deal not we're not going to do it just for out of principle like of course if there was a good deal and more importantly they felt like they were that deal was going to still leave them in position to get the guy that they wanted that's always right. a critical component of it um, right. and deals are just hard to do so um, anyway like you said. They ended up filling their 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 biggest two biggest needs, right tackle and free safety, uh, at fairly high levels. I mean, Trevor Morig was a first round pick coming into this whole thing. Uh, the yeah. back injury or issue uh, dropped him a little bit, but um, the fact that if you want to call it a rebound, whatever the case might be, the fact that they were able to do what they did on day two. Um, your, your thoughts on that? Yeah, that, that's what I think the main thing is, is they got their two guys, you know, and Trayvon Merrick was a guy that everyone thought was a first-rounder, like a lot of people thought Leatherwood was a second-rounder. And so it's so funny, even hearing Mike Mayock talk to Daniel Jeremiah after the draft was wrapped up, DJ said, hey, man, you know, Merrick and Leatherwood, you guys got them. I had them the other way around, and <laughs> Mike Mayock didn't care. You know, it's just, hey, we, we got our guys. They have an extra year. They got the fifth-year option on Leatherwood. I mean, again, I'm fine with it, and I think what most people – they, they, they took and they got it wrong when it came to what I was saying was that I thought that they could have traded back. Like you said, maybe the trade value wasn't there, fine. I, I, I'm not mad at the player. I know that the player is a good player. I've seen him play at Alabama for many years. I know how good he is, and I know that he could be a, a, a potential right tackle for years to come. I, I know that Mike Mayock also said that he's going to be the starting right tackle, and let's see if he can keep it. So, I mean, there's a little, hey, is he going to end up being a guard? And then you go back and assess the situation if he is, you know, told, turns out to be a guard. But right now, on paper, he's the right tackle. So you got two starters in your first two picks, and that's, you can't ask for anything more. Yeah, no question. And now it's on them and the coaching staff to get him coached up and the players yep. to, 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 to deliver, and, and that's what – 
you know, these next four months uh, are, are going to be all about. And I can't wait to see it. And I know you share that sentiment. Um, yeah. All right. So we move into the third round. And, and uh, I don't know if you were listening yesterday, but um, I forget what night it was. It was so late. But I got a text from an NFL general manager um, after the picks of Kuntz, Malcolm Kuntz, uh, and Divine Diablo, which I just love saying that name, by the way. I know. <laughs> um, and this was an NFL general manager running his own team who was like, you know, like almost like, Dah! I loved those two dudes. Like he was, right. those two players were among his favorite players in this draft, especially in and around that area. And so he was a little bit, you know, kind of pounding the, uh, the, the, uh, the in, in the text. I wanted those guys. Um, your thoughts on those two players, and, and you look, I, I reassessed on, on Kuntz, the dude can get after the quarterback. I don't even yeah. think the, 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 the caliber of play, I don't care. What he does, his innate ability and, um, you know, the, the, the cleverness and the, the intelligence that he rushes the passer with, I think that's going to translate fairly early on at this level. I do, too, and you can't talk about the competition. I mean, he went to Buffalo, and we all know who else went to Buffalo who used to play for the Raiders. I'm not saying he's on the same level as the guy who used to play there, but that's where he went. So if you didn't question that pick, you can't question this pick. I like Koontz a lot. He's one of my favorite picks because of that, everything you just mentioned. He's got a lot of different tools on his tool belt to get to the quarterback. He's got a lot of ability to rush the and I don't think he's going to have to be on the field a lot to do it. He's going to be, in my opinion, a situational pass rusher. I think he's going to allow the Raiders to have fresh legs on defense. He's going to have a, a motor that, that doesn't really stop. And, again, he'll be fresh when he gets into the game, similar to what, again, in my opinion, what we all saw from Max Crosby his rookie year. He wasn't in the game all the time, but every time he hit the field, his motor was go, 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 and it turned into 10 sacks. I think, and I'm not saying I'm not calling 10 sacks for Coons, I think he's going to have the ability, though, to be an impact player getting after the quarterback because he's going to be fresh and he's going to know when he gets in the game, it's pin your ears back and go. You know, get after the quarterback. And it's not just a bull rush. He's got multiple, like I said, tricks to the trade. He's got multiple tools on the tool belt. He can get to the quarterback, and that's what the Raiders so desperately need. He's a lot like Unique Ngakwe. They'll get to the quarterback, and they'll get to him in a hurry. So uh, I'm excited about, you know, just the different rotation that now the Raiders are, are able to have with all the different pass rushers when we know that that's been one of their biggest areas of need. And I'm glad you mentioned that um, because sometimes you see a guy that's just – you know, uh, just just faster than everybody else on the field uh, at that level sometimes, and and that's all it is sometimes. Not to not yeah. to discount the speed factor, but sometimes you just blow him by guys and is just that that quicker, that faster. It's he has speed, Kuntz does, uh, but like you said, it's the counter moves, the spin moves, the intelligence, yeah. and the understanding of. And I think as he gets, um, you know, into his career, being able to set people up and, and uh, deke them here and, and, and take advantage of, of what the guy thinks that he's going to do in a certain situation, I think that's all going to help. But I'm going to say right now, if he gets on the field as what you said, a situational pass rusher, which I think that's his, the quickest path for him to get on the field, it's not outlandish to think that he could get five or six sacks. And you know what? Hey, with, if, if Ngakwe does what he does – if Max Crosby in in fewer snaps, I think he's going to play fewer snaps, but I think they're going to be more efficient snaps, uh, yep. could do what he does. Um, and, and then along the line, that's going to fit perfectly in on a, on a, on a defensive line last year, uh, Q, that only had 14 sacks. It's almost embarrassing to say that out loud, that the whole defensive line for the Raiders last year only had 14 sacks. But to me, if you can get that up to 20, 25, just along the defensive line, that's going to make a world of difference. 
Right, and the biggest key, and this is something you know uh, as a matter of fact, is that Gus Bradley is not going to bring the house. He's not going to blitz a lot. So these guys are going to be asked to get home just with the front four. And so that's why that rotation is going to be so critical. I agree with you 100% with Crosby. He's gonna, they're going to cut his snaps back, but he'll be more efficient with the snap count that he has. In Gakwe, he'll be able to get after the quarterback. I think Koontz is going to play a major role. I think the pressure that they're going to be able to get from the defensive tackle position will be better this year. I mean, there's a lot of things that I like about how it's shaping up. And I, and I do want to go back to David Irving. If he can figure out yes. how to get things right and get himself right, that dude is a force wherever you line him up. But he's just got to have his mind right. And, look, he hasn't done that a lot in his career. But if he does come out with that mindset that he wants to be a player in this league and really be an impact guy and show Rod Marinelli what he can do and, and, and reward him for having faith in him, oh, man, sky's the limit. And you, that 25, 28, 30 uh, sacks is a possibility that the Raiders could have but they got, I mean, obviously things got to fall in the right place for them. When you put the coaching hat on and you look at that defensive line, uh, sometimes I think the pe- people make a, a mistake of, you know, when you say just the front four, no blitzing, that it's just four guys with their hand in the ground getting out to the quarterback. I actually think that it's, it's, it's that sometimes, but a lot of times it's guys up, you know, it's, it's, it's just four guys. It doesn't mean that they're not doing clever things to get right. guys free and running games and, and lining guys up, up, you know, sometimes up right off on the nose or on the center. Mm-hmm. It's going to look creative, more, way more creative, right, than just four guys lining up uh, in a, in a three-point stance? Yeah, absolutely. The thing about Gus Bradley, what he's going to try to do is he's going to try to, again, get home with the front four, but you don't know what four are coming. You know what I mean? Like, that's the thing about it. You won't really know what four are coming. He's going to try to get a little exotic. That's something that he talked about in his opening press conferences. Yeah, I mean, it's not a real complex scheme, but it has some, it has some nuances to it that should confuse the quarterback. That's the ultimate goal. Confuse the quarterback, confuse the offensive lineman, and don't really know exactly who's coming. So, yeah, they're not going to bring the house. They're not going to, you know, load up the box and all go, get after the quarterback. Some are going to drop. Some are going to stay. I mean, some are going to go. I mean, there's, there's going to be different uh, options that he's going he's gonna to employ. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just not – they're just not going to go and, and, like I said, bring the house because a lot of times you bring the house if you don't get home well, you get burned on the back end. Kind of saw that a few times <laughs> over the last few yeah. years with the Raiders, by the way. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so uh, we, we're, we're well-versed uh, in, in, in that. Uh, we're talking to Q Myers, uh, our good friend, uh, your boy. You can follow him at yourboyq254. Uh, all right, uh, right after um, Kuntz, Divine Diablo, and yeah. uh, you look at the tape. The dude is a is he's he's every bit the six foot three, two thirty, two forty uh, that he's listed. Without question, this is a big dude uh, that plays fast um, and right. and covers a lot of ground. And he looks to be a smart player as well. Like he's he gets himself into position and he understands uh, coverages and 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 where to angles. Uh, your initial thoughts on, on on Diablo and how he might be able to fit as a chess piece for Gus Bradley. Well, I'll tell you, man. Just looking at him, I was like, that's a chiseled piece of work right there. Yes. <laughs> that, dude, yes. He is. He is rocked up. You know, just to just to make it as clear as possible. That dude is rocked up. He's fast. Uh, he's physical. He, he's, a, he's a football player's football player, in my opinion. And, of course, you know, he's making the, the switch down to the weak side linebacker. So it's going to be, you know, a little bit of a different a different role for him. But, you know, he, he talked about Cam Chancellor. He talked about playing in the box. He talked about all kind of, you know, different scenarios that, that have been presented to him. And I think that uh, with his, his 
uh, understanding of what they want him to do and with the coaching staff understanding what they want him to do, I think he can be a player. I think he's going to get on the field probably as a special teams dude immediately, but work his way into a rotation. The thing about it, Vinny, what I like the most about even just all the draft picks is that these guys are all going to provide a lot of competition, something I mentioned at the very top. It's just that it's not a position. It's not a, it's not a team where there's a lot of scholarships out there. There's, these guys aren't on scholarship anymore. They're not four-star, five-star recruits. They are now NFL players where they've got to fight every single day tooth and nail for their job. That's the way it should be. That makes you earn your position. That makes you go out to practice and bust it a little bit harder because you know there's a hungry young bull behind you that wants your spot. And that's what I see when I see these guys that they drafted this weekend. Some people say, oh, it was a reach in round three for Diablo and and, and Koontz, but I I just think that these guys are going to be competitive dudes. They're going to get after it. they got a chip on their shoulder. Uh, and, and that's just what it's going to be. You know, even even uh, even Hobbs is going to be the guy that's going to have a chip on his shoulder as well. Yeah, and, you know, obviously it's easy to say when you draft, what was it, six defensive players, I think it was, or five defensive players uh, of your yeah. however many picks, only two offensive players, let's put it that way. Uh, yeah. The rest were defense. Obviously, when you see that numbers ratio, the defensive coordinator, you know, has an influence. But I think it goes beyond that, and I want you. To, I want to ask you about this. Did you feel Gus Bradley and Ron Milas and Richard Smith and and Rod Marinelli's presence not just so much in the side of the ball that they addressed, but in the type of players that they drafted to address some of those needs? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I felt like Gus Bradley's thumbprints were all over this draft, you know. And and you said uh, Rod Marinelli, him as well, you know. And that even goes back to free agency. I kind of feel like the guys that they brought in on the offensive or defensive line on the one-year deals, the Sally Thomases, the you know the uh, um, well everyone else that they brought in, I forget all the names, but yeah, they brought in a bunch of guys on the offensive line or defensive line on these one-year deals. I think that you know also kind of fits the blueprint of what Gus Bradley and uh, more importantly even what Rod Marinelli wants to do on that defensive line. Guys that are young, guys that are hungry, guys that have proven at one point that they can do it and just have to do it on a consistent basis. That's, that's kind of one of the, the biggest things for me is. And so, uh, yeah, man, I, I think that there's a lot of uh, blueprints. I think that when Gus Bradley took this job, he probably said, hey, man, uh, I'm looking up and down this roster. I'm looking at some of the film. This guy cuts it. This guy cuts it. These guys really don't. We've got to go in and get guys that, that can fit my, my puzzle and the pieces of puzzle, the puzzle I need so we can, we can win. We can make this defense what you want it to be. And I think that's exactly what they're doing. All right, last question, Q. Um, as we sit here now on, what is it, May 4th, 2021, yep. after a pretty much a complete free agency, there might be some tinkering uh, from now to, to training camp, but almost complete free agency, a complete draft. How much better do you feel about the Raiders defense sitting here today uh, than when you were to start this process? And, and what would your projections now be? I know it's tough to answer that question, but realistic expectations for this defense? I mean, I think this defense is better. I really do. I think that they still got a lot of work to do as far as gelling and being on the same page. But I think that the players, that they, the chess pieces that they have, let's put it like that, are better than the chess pieces that they had before. And I think now that you know Damon Arnett's going to have a year under his belt and, and the young guys that, that came in in the 2020 class are going to have an opportunity to try to grow and, and do things that they didn't do in the offseason uh, leading into last season. I think that they're going to be able to grow. I think Gus Bradley's a better teacher. That's another thing. I think the coaching staff, you mentioned uh, Milas. You talked, you know, the, the coaches, the linebacker coach, secondary coach, those guys, they're all – 
in my opinion, better than the coaches that they had in those positions. Not saying they're bad coaches. I just think that they have a better understanding. And now that they got their, their tools and they got their weapons that they could use at their disposal, I think it's going to be a lot better. Uh, the defense, again, man, if it can get to, you know, I hate to say it, middle of the pack, if they can get to the middle of the pack, these Raiders can win a lot of games. And the AFC West is going to be a dog. It's going to be tough. So, you know, that, that defense is going to be needed to step up, not just once in a while, but consistently throughout the course of the season. No doubt about it, and that's why we bring on Q Myers uh, to to drop the knowledge and the insight, and we always, always appreciate it. Q, thanks so much for spending some time with us. Uh, we will talk to you down the road, my brother. All right, my man, I appreciate you guys. Keep doing what you do. Thank you. You too. Likewise. That is Q Myers dropping the knowledge, and I'm with him. Um, there's an opportunity. There's a path available. Let's put it that way. Uh, for this Raiders defense to get middle of the pack. It's really all they need to do. Remember, if uh, if you think that that's you know, uh, outlandish or, or an overreach, just remember, this offense in 2019 averaged 19 points a game. In 2020, what was it, 27 points a game? So you do the math. It's possible to improve by that much on one side of the ball. Now the Raiders just need to do it on the other side of the ball in a reverse manner. They need to drop the 30 points per game down to 19, 20. They'll be in business if they do. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor brought to you by Tequila and Baja Norba. Oh, by the way, they, it's, it, they're capable of doing that between the new staff and who they've brought in and young players getting better. It's possible. We'll talk to you on the other side. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. All right, so what do you think, uh, Raider Nation? What do you think? Almost an entire offseason has come and gone. A lot of work has been done. Some surprises. I don't think anyone expected uh, what happened on the offensive line to happen. Um, But money comes into it. Salary cap comes into it. Um, Obviously, the Raiders wanted to re-sign Colton Miller. They were going to have to balance things out uh, on the offensive line. Keep in mind, I think the Raiders were the highest paid offensive line last year. Yeah, I think that that's what it was, or, or close to it. And that was without the extension for Colton Miller. They knew that was coming. They needed. They knew they needed to get younger and more cost-effective along the offensive line. Um, so they made changes. And now it's up to Andre James. It's up to Denzel Good. It's up to Alex Leatherwood um, to, to make sure that not only that the Raiders don't miss a beat, because honestly, the offensive line last year was okay. It wasn't great. A lot of that was due to injuries. Uh, Trevor um, uh, Trevor Brown was, or excuse me, um, uh, Trent Brown. I, don't, I barely ever remember seeing the dude, to be honest with you. Uh, 16 games over the last two years, four games last year. Yeah, uh, he wasn't around uh, very often, that's for sure. But anyway, um, the, the, you know, for all the money that the Raiders spent on the offensive line last year, due to injuries mostly, 
Um, it, it didn't perform all that well. Nevertheless, the offense was able to play at a pretty high level. But I think when you look at Josh Jacobs and, and his uh, average per carry going down from, I think it was 4.6 to 3.9 uh, from his rookie year to his second year, it, it pretty much indicated that the Raiders, something needed to happen along the offensive line uh, to get the run game, the run blocking part of it, uh, in better shape. And and so I think that they they feel like they've done that. It has to obviously come to fruition on the field, uh, but they got younger, maybe a little bit more athletic uh, and definitely more cost-effective uh, on the offensive line, and they were able to, to retain uh, Colton Miller on a contract extension. Um, so that was a bit of a surprise. Didn't quite see that coming, but that's the reality of the NFL. Uh, they, they, they added Willie Sneed, they added John Brown to the wide receiver core. Uh, I think there's obviously hope that Henry Ruggs takes a big step forward. Brian Edwards takes a big step forward. If that happens, uh, that's just really good news uh, for the Raiders. And, and it's possible. I think Henry Ruggs is uh, pretty motivated to get back out there and to show what he's capable of uh, being the 12th pick overall in 2020. Uh, I think he's he can't wait honestly to get on the field, and I think that John Gruden and the offensive staff uh, have spent an off season trying to figure out ways, better ways to get him the ball. Uh, some of that is going to be on Henry Ruggs running better routes, coming down with the ball cleaner uh, when the ball is thrown to him, playing with a mo- more of a suddenness and explosion, making that speed work for him better than it did last year, and that's all part of just growing as a player and maturing as a player and getting better as a player. Uh, but if if Henry Ruggs turns that corner and Brian Edwards can stay healthy, he finish the season strong. Um, you got Darren Waller on offense, obviously, that kind of runs through him. I would expect a big jump forward for Foster Moreau, uh, somebody that was coming off a pretty devastating knee injury toward the end of 2019, needed time to kind of get back on track and get back right. Uh, now that he's you know over a year removed from the surgery and from the injury and from the rehab, uh, I would think that Foster Moreau, you, you're going to see a player that is going to be able to be utilized as a blocker, somebody that is going to be able to be a red zone asset. Um, and I think that that's something that the Raiders are counting on. Obviously, Josh Jacobs, if the offensive line, um, if the if the desired effect happens on the offensive line where uh, there, it's, it's, it, there's more efficiency in run blocking. I think you're going to see that uh, reflected in Josh Jacobs being a more efficient runner. Obviously, he, he had over 1,000 yards last year, but the average per carry dropped from rookie year to second year. Uh, I think the Raiders obviously want to get that up, and some of those offensive line changes um, – we're designed for that. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation uh, listener line. We'll get back to that in just one second. Uh, Grant is on the line. He wants to talk about Tanner Muse. Hey, what's going on? I'm doing good. How are you doing? Hey, I'm all right. Uh, yeah, I was just about Tanner Muse. You know, we signed or we drafted Divine Diablo at Virginia Tech. I've heard he's going to be falling down to the linebacking core instead of safety. I'm just curious where that puts Tanner Muse in uh, in terms of can he fill that three spot at the linebacker at the linebacking position? Uh, well, you know the, the Raiders for the first time in a long time are bringing back all of their starting linebackers, right? So you've got Corey right. Littleton, you got Nick Kukowski, excuse me, and um, you know you've got Nicholas Morrow coming back on a one year deal. Um, I think that Tanner Muse and 
divine uh, Diablo. I think there's a future for both of them as starters alongside each other. So, uh, you know, I, I think that both bring a you know skill set. There's some similarities, but there's some there's also some differences uh, between the two players. I think they can play eventually together uh, rather than in lieu of each other. I mean, I could be wrong, no doubt about it. Uh, but but I do also think that in Gus Bradley's system and, and the ability of himself and then also Richard Smith, the linebacker coach, uh, to be able to figure out packages and ways to get guys on the field to take advantage of what they bring. Uh, there's so much situational football. There's so many different packages uh, that you play. And I think the one thing that the Raiders, among the things that the Raiders have really strived to do, is bring in players that bring a versatility and various skill sets um, and, and positional flexibility. I know I talked to Tanner uh, just a few weeks ago, actually. Uh, he's feeling really good. Uh, he's online to be ready uh, next year uh, in training camp. Um, it was, you know, uh, uh, you know, unfortunate what happened to him in, in training camp. It was an injury that he kind of had had uh, previously or dealt with previously. It was always described to him as turf toe when he was at, uh, when he was at Clemson. Uh, but he was able to play through it. Um, but it just got to be too much when he got to training camp. And so they, he had to go under the knife. It cost him his rookie season. Uh, but the good news is it fixed the problem, you know. And so he's not going to be dealing with that, hopefully, uh, anytime soon. So he's going to be in a better position physically to show what he's able to do. And I think that, you know, you're always looking to build depth and have players in the uh, in the hopper. And I always go back to Corey Littleton. He was an undrafted free agent for the Rams. He spent a year, year and a half, being a special teams kind of an ace, which is what Tanner Muse uh, is going to be expected to do. Uh, but behind the scenes was being developed and developed, and confidence was growing in him. And eventually, they traded away uh, Alec in- or uh, uh, Alec Ogletree, who was a highly productive player for the Rams. Because they knew that, hey, the time that we've invested in Corey Littleton, he's ready to go. I would imagine that at some point that's going to be the exact case for guys like Tanner Muse and Dion, uh, or uh, Divine Diablo. I think they're both, you know, the, if, they can, if, they, if, they, if they show what they're capable of, of doing in training camp, the Raiders will figure out a way to get them on the field. Not necessarily as starters to start off with, uh, but whether it's special teams or in sub-packages, get them on the field, get them into the mix, uh, and see if they're capable of making plays or not, and then build off of that. And so that in the future, you might have two starters to replace when Corey Littleton moves on, when Nick Kwiatkowski moves on. And again, Nicholas Morrow is only on a one-year deal. You don't know what his situation is going to turn out uh, to be. Real quick, let's – and by the way, uh, thanks, Grant, for the call. Uh, We're going to go out to the Raider Nation listener line. Brandon uh, wants to talk about – I think it's Trevon Morig. Uh, Brandon, how you doing, man? Good, how are you? Doing good, thank you. I just wanted to know what you thought his snap count would be early. I mean, I'm, I know he's going to stall. Do you think he'll be a full-time stall, or do you think that they're going to ease him in a little bit? I don't think – after today, um, releasing Jeff Heath, who was the uh, de facto starter at free safety, I think it's full bore ahead. So um, I think that, you know, barring any kind of an injury or anything like that, uh, he's going to get the bulk of the snaps uh, at free safety. So I don't think there's going to be really any easing him in. Uh, I think this is a player that the Raiders felt was a first-round caliber talent and worthy of getting on the field ASAP. And I don't think that there's going to be any holding him back. I don't think there's really any need to. He's smart. You could tell that talking to him. Um, 
you put on the tape and he can play. Uh, he brings pretty much every skill that you need uh, to be a, uh, a successful free safety in this league. I really like the leadership uh, ability, and I know that um, you know uh, Mike Mayock had mentioned um, and, and others have mentioned this about Trevon Morig, just the respect that he had within that TCU program. And there's a lot of good people uh, in that leadership over at TCU that have been doing this a long time, and they really do speak about Morig with, I mean, just not just the player, but the person. And um, that is important to me. Obviously, you want good football players first and foremost. But when you can marry good football players with great people, man, the sky's the limit when that happens. And I can definitely see Trevon earlier than later developing into a leader on that, in that secondary. And that's no disrespect to anybody that's here right now. None. But I think he's just cut out of that kind of a cloth. You can kind of tell that uh, about him. Uh, I think that um, also, you know, the kid from uh, Illinois has some leadership skills to himself as, as, as well. But I think, uh, you know, it's going to be a process uh, for, for, for Hobbs, you know, coming in as a fifth rounder uh, and getting, getting his legs under him. But I think from the get-go, Morg's going to be out there as the quarterback of this defense, and I think that he's going to be somebody that people are looking to for leadership right off the bat. And I think it's going to be – he seems to be one of those guys that he's not going to be clobbering people over the head with a big hammer, you know, demanding respect or anything like that. There's some dudes that just have that way about him where – uh, they're almost like the Pied Piper kind of a kind of a a, 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 a guy where people want to follow, you know, and and it's it's such a natural thing that it's not overbearing, and that was the initial sense that I got uh, from Trevon Morig was that that leadership was going to happen organically and naturally and not forcefully or anything like that. He doesn't appear to be that kind of a kind of a dude, and I think that's going to fit perfectly uh, here with the Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor, brought to you by Tequila Embajador. And when we get back, uh, Mitch in New Jersey, hang on, because we're going to talk to you when we get back. We're back in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. This is Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Mitch is in New Jersey. How you doing, Mitch? Vincent, how you doing? You you work too hard. No, no, um, no, 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 not even. Boy, this DH is fly. I can remember I read somewhere um Matt Barker says he um got drafted eight years ago. I mean, I just remember like we guessed it. I remember him entering USC four years started. He's a, he's just a third string quarterback. I don't know if he's got a team that but uh yeah, so it's just amazing how fast. Um, I like. I know we didn't draft any defensive line because we had such a great free, free agency. But you brought up the the undrafted free agent stills from I think Alabama. It looks pretty good. I wonder why he didn't get drafted, but I hope he turns out. We're gonna have some rotation. See how wide receivers and, and defensive linemen. It's, really, it's gonna be good, awesome. It's gonna be good. It's gonna be a good year, I think. Yeah, I think that there's definitely same stills. Right, yeah, uh, from uh, West Virginia, he uh, signed or will sign as a uh, undrafted free agent. Uh, obviously, he's going to have a chip on his shoulder and um, has a skill set. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if he makes the team in some form or fashion. There's always the practice squad, obviously. Um, you know, uh, get him on the development uh, uh, um, track. Uh, so we'll see. But I, but I, 
I think what the Raiders have done this offseason, there was there was and and really for the last couple of years now. Um, I know all the signings haven't worked out. Obviously, uh, Trent Brown injury, Tyrell Williams injury, uh, Lamarcus Joyner. Um, the, the previous defensive staff obviously felt like you know he was better suited at at, at slot cornerback, which was not his best position when he was with the Rams. Anyway, that that didn't make any sense. But I think going all the way back to the firing of Paul Gunther, I'm never a guy that you know cheerleads for somebody to be fired. Um, but I think it was time, and I, I I know that fans sometimes have an issue with this. But I actually give John Gruden some uh, uh, credit for letting that play out and seeing if giving Paul Gunther a fair chance. It just didn't work out. Um, but I think going back to Gus, bringing in Gus Bradley, the free agency period that they had, and the draft that they had, everything has made sense. And they've checked off a whole bunch of boxes. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Carlos wants to talk about the draft. How you doing, Carlos? I'm doing great, Vinny. Hey, thanks for uh, walking Raider Nation back off the ledge with your commentary <laughs> and just doing a good job on the radio. A lot of times people just plunge into the darkness when things don't uh, happen the way they want them to happen. I, I really appreciate it. It's nice having a sound voice in Raider Nation. You got it, man. Thank you. Hey, I just wanted to talk about um, the undrafted free agent uh, running back out of Wisconsin, Garrett Groshek. Um, mm-hmm. And watching some of his highlights on, uh, on the internet, do you think he has a chance to maybe um, unseat Richard as the third back? I mean, he's a former quarterback. Looks like he has some wiggle, some wiggle and some power to him. Obviously, you know, economics plays a factor. Um, so I was just wondering what your thoughts would be. Yeah, um, you know, and, and Jalen Richard, obviously, um, he's he's been paid the guaranteed portion of his contract. So if they if the Raiders, you know, needed to go find some money somehow, some way, salary cap purposes, he's kind of kind of like Jeff Heath uh, today. Uh, the guaranteed money was paid out to Jeff Heath, so they don't absorb any kind of a hit. In fact, they save uh, three point two million dollars uh, off of the salary cap. I think that's kind of where. I have a feeling Casey Hayward's going to slot in uh, in and around that that number right there. But yeah, I mean, I think that uh, if if anybody that can show that they can get that job done as that third down back, um, you know, is going to get a fair shot to do that. I think that you know Jalen Richard uh, at his cost. I don't know is a, is it is is it worth it at this point? You know, you've got Kenyon Drake. Um, you know, who's going to be kind of in lieu of and in conjunction with. Jonathan Abram, or excuse me, uh, uh, Josh Jacobs at, at running back. So, you know, where does where does where does Richard fit in, uh, and how much usage is he going to get for the price that he's being paid? That's obviously a, a, a question that John Gruden is going to have to ask, and 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 Mike Mayock are going to have to ask. Um, but uh, but, and I think the Wisconsin running back is more along the lines of a. You know, practice squad type of a player. I agree with you. I think he's got some. Uh, he's elusive. He's got some wiggle to him. Um, he's he's a, he's a decent running back. And you know, anytime you're talking about a Wisconsin running back, um, you know, you 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 know that they're going to bring some professionalism and efficiency uh, to to the job to the job. I just don't know if he's quite ready yet. So maybe he gets you know put on that again, like like Stills. Uh, from West Virginia, put him on that uh, development track and see what you got uh, in a year or, or two. The good news is they don't have to count on any of those guys right away. Um, I think the two guys that they have to count on 
obviously are Alex Leatherwood and, um, and, and Trevon Morig. And I think that Koontz is going to find his way to the field early on as a situational player. And I think Diablo uh, is going to find his way onto the field as a situational player. Everyone else, uh, and this is the great thing about where you are as a roster, you're able to put development time into some of these young players and not press, press them into duty. I think that too often over the last couple of years, the Raiders have had to play young players out of necessity uh, rather than re, you know, uh, out of guys proving that they can, that they can get the job done at a, at a high level. It's changed, and that's a credit to what they've done here building this roster to where if somebody earns it, they earn it. But more ideally than that, or as ideally to that, is you, you put the time in, and in a year or two, you have a really good player uh, on your hands, somebody that's going to be able to step in and deliver uh, starting snaps for you. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Joe is in L.A. How you doing, Joe? Good, thank you. Um, you know, I, I tuned in quite a bit late, so I, I, I'm going to bring up a topic you may have covered. But, you know, earlier when I saw the tweet by the Raiders, you asked him, you got him, Casey Hayward, I was thinking to myself, I think there's a great – a, a big contingency of Raider Nation that wanted Richard Sherman. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you have any information with regards to that. I personally think it could have been a money play, but also that, you know, maybe he wanted too much money, but also, uh, you know, Casey's 31, and I guess Richard Sherman's, what, 33? Yeah, he's a little bit older. Um, here's what I think. Uh, I You know, obviously money probably played a little bit of a role into it as well. Um, but I also think, and we're going to find out, you know, come training camp, who lines up where. Uh, but I think that Casey Hayward's ability to play inside, which he's done at a high level in his career, uh, um, as opposed to Richard Sherman. I'm not sitting here saying Richard Sherman couldn't play in the slot, but I think he's more an outside cornerback where, you know, maybe you'd have to move. You, you would definitely have to move uh, Damon Arnett uh, inside. Um, and, and that opens a little bit of question. Uh, so I, I think that Hayward being able to play in that slot might give a little bit of an edge over a Sherman who's more of a singular type of a player. And so you figure out who's going to do what on the outside. And I, I would think that – and I'm not trying to speak for John Gruden or the defensive staff. I would think that they would want – Casey Hayward to, to move inside and, and Damon Arnett to seize that outside cornerback spot in a big way. I think that that's what they would want. Ideally, you know, you invested a high first round pick in, um, in Damon Arnett and you, you want him to succeed at that position, the position that you envisioned for him, which is the outside cornerback spot, which would allow then Casey Hayward to go do what he's done at a high level in his career and play in the slot. I don't know that to be the case, though. We're gonna, and that's why. Again, uh, you know, I, I, I'm really hoping that we get OTAs because you could get a glimpse into that. OTAs aren't the end all, be all, but you start looking where guys are lined up, what the depth chart might look like, what the plan might look like, uh, rather than have to wait until August to find out who's going to take the field as a starting outside cornerback, slot cornerback, will linebacker, all you know, all, all of that. And so, hopefully, things get rectified a little bit. And we do get some OTAs so we can have a little bit of uh, understanding of where things might head come training camp. I want to say thank you to our boy Q Myers uh, for joining us. Always a pleasure uh, to talk to him. Thanks to Devon Cotton for holding down the fort uh, back at home base. Always appreciate everything that you do. Thank you to the callers. Uh, Another big day for the Raiders bringing in Casey Hayward.
a veteran cornerback who instantly becomes, right now anyway, on paper, the best cornerback uh, on the Raiders roster. Uh, but I think Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett and guys like that are going to have something to say about that come training camp. We're back at it tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. on Cinco de Mayo, May 5th tomorrow. Also, my wife's, my beautiful wife's birthday, by the way. So happy birthday to my beautiful wife. We will talk to you guys tomorrow, 4 to 6 p.m. in the huddle. Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila Embajador. <laughs>